0: This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. And alhamdulillahi na'amaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu. Wa na'udhu billahi min sharuri anfusina wa min saydi'ati a'malina. Come to the next tremendous Hadith, in the book of the Dawa and the Dua, the Du'at and the da'wah, the call and the callers. So previous to today's hadith that we're going to deal with, we've dealt with quite a few hadith. The Sheikh tried to, rahmatullahi alayhi, show from the hadith that have passed already the importance of a Tawheed, and that this is the main and essential cornerstone and Tao of all of the prophets and the messengers, and he brought that. He also brought a hadith that show and indicate the importance of the sunnah in the life of a Muslim and the way things are in our ummah today, with the way people are looking at the religion is not the way. Where people actually believe you could take and cherry pick from the sunnah as you please. So this one doesn't want the sunnah at all. And he says he only takes the Quran. That one over there says he doesn't take the Hadith al-Ahad, even if it's inside bukhari Bukhari Muslim. That one over there, if the hadith and what's said in the sunnah is from the mu'ajizat and it doesn't go in accordance with his or her intellect because they graduated from Cambridge, Yale University, or Oxford, then they reject it. This is not the way. So the Sheikh Rahmatullahi Alayhi Wasiyah, Rahmatun he brought all of those hadith. How you cannot separate the Quran from the sunnah and they won't be separated until yawm al-qiyamah when the prophet sallallahu meets the people at the fountain he brought all of that he brought those hadith that show and illustrate the importance of the call and the caller everybody here is giving da'wah to Allah or you're giving da'wah question is what are you giving da'wah to he's giving da'wah to Sheikh Rabi and to his hisb they're giving dawah to the Ikhwan Muslimin and Sayyid Qutb, and that's all he could see. These one over here are giving dawah to innovative and bit zikr And that one, he's giving dawah to himself. He's giving dawah to the madhhab. He's giving dawah to Al Ash'ariyya. Show how the sheikh brought those ahadith, mu'adh. Verily, you're going to the people from Ahlul Kitab. Make the first thing you call them to La ilaha illallah. If they accept that, they have to pray. So here I am in the masjid, and I know many of the people who I know on a first-hand basis from my relatives and neighbors and people who I know. I know most people are not praying. May Allah help us all to be on our prayer. Was the last time a whole month went by? I don't care, Islamic calendar, Gregorian calendar, I don't care. When's the last time a month went by and you didn't miss one prayer in that whole month? Tell me, when did that happen? So I know many people miss the prayer in a month, once, four, five, six times. That's a lot for him because he was tired. He missed the prayer because of Corona. He's not coming to the masjid now, so it's not the same. So he overslept, but he still made the salat on time, just was close to Fajr time. Point is... There are a lot of people from our community who miss the vast majority of their prayers on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly praise basis. So what's the point? As someone who's giving dawah, why in the world would I get on this minbar or any minbar get in front of the Muslims and when the Palestinian issue happens, I start appealing to the emotions of the people? No, what's happened to the Palestinian people is serious, and we need to talk about it. But we need to understand it correctly. The primary issue right now is, Allah, if we were praying as a community, these things like that wouldn't happen because Allah, Jalla, has promised us that if we believed and we did righteous deeds, he's going to give us strength in the earth. But my dawah, what is it? It's the dawah of emotions. I want people to like me. I want people to follow me. So I can't say the truth when someone asks me a clear question. What do you think about this or that or him or this? I can't, I can't put myself out there because I don't want the fanboys to be upset with me. I want people to accept. No, you have to say the truth in the best way possible. I'm not saying be crazy and be unsociable and be nasty, right? Because some hadith are coming, inshallah, that's going to talk, talk about how the one who's giving dawah has to be soft and easy. Perchance the person who's listening to you is going to accept your dawah. So with what has passed before, so far, a lot of information as it relates to the dawah to Sedefiya, that's Al-Islam and Musafah, it's pure Islam. Not your understanding or you, or you or you or you and your political stuff that you're trying to do and your masjid and your country. We, 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 not. we didn't come into a slam for that stuff. We came into Islam to worship Allah, the way he legislated, and the way the Prophet, Prophet brought it, and the way those companions were upon it. And I encourage you, brothers, to always stay balanced and humble, but don't let anybody sell you any wooden nickels. Somebody come to you, my brother, what's your name? Jamal, you're new here? Where you came from, where you come from? East London, so you know London. Someone walked up to you, Brother Jamal, while you in Birmingham, said, I have a real serious opportunity, business opportunity, once in a lifetime. I'm going to sell you the London Bridge for 50 pounds. you going to do it? Of course you're going to do it. You say you're not going to do it. No, we don't, we, we, we don't go for the okey doke like that. London Bridge, you have some people who are like that. Give us these buzzwords. Se, a Sunnah, the sheikh. Yeah, brother, but what you're saying is not supported by what we're learning here. That's your interpretation. and your sheikh. That's your interpretation. And I want you brothers to have enough uh, inshallah, enough courage, enough heart, to stand up in issues, not like a madman, but to say to people, "Look, we used to say. I don't blindly follow Imam Abu Hanifa. And we didn't care if people got upset and they didn't get upset. We used to say that. Now people are scared to say they don't blindly follow Sheikh Rabi, who's much lesser than Abu Hanifa, but people are scared because of the mitraqah, the hammer. Don't want that hammer coming on you. No, brothers, we want to be on the sunnah. And I'm not singling the Sheikh Al-Turman under the bus. I'm talking about the drama and the fitness that everybody's knowing what I'm referring to here. So now we deal with a serious issue today, a serious aspect of our dawah. Coming to Islam in 1986 and being exposed to the sunnah, when at that time, for you young brothers, it was very difficult for a Muslim at that time to know pure Islam because of the Qurafat that your parents and relatives and communities were on. So if a person, African-American, comes into the religion, He has the Pakistanis, he has the Indians, he has the Afghanis, he has the Africans, there's Arabs. He's looking and he's trying to learn. He's not going to learn his religion. Because most of the people, unfortunately, are practicing what their parents gave to them. So we came to the religion. And then by Allah's favor alone, not because somebody is smarter than someone else, it's the tawfiq of Allah. The sunnah became known to us. It was exposed to us. And today's lesson was one of the reoccurring reoccurring themes in the Sunnah when we used to hear it. Now, you brothers come in 19 and 20, in 19, uh, you know, these last five, six years, you brothers get on the Sunnah. You brothers get the Dawah. No, all you heard was the Sheikh said. The Sheikh said. The Sheikh said. That's all you heard. So if you read an article, It can have a lot of kalam, but it has nothing to do with the issue. No delil. It's just the sheikh said. The sheikh. Now you got to learn how to read. You have to learn how to listen. So today's lesson is one of the most important lessons for any and everybody who wants to be on the sunnah. It's one of the important. These ahadith are the ahadith of the minhaj as-salih. as Sheikh Ali al Harabi brought this hadith of Abu Huraira, may Allah Azuljall be pleased with Abu Huraira and all of the companions. The Prophet ﷺ said to the people, Who from amongst you, it's like a challenge, who from amongst you will take these words that I want to tell you, and you work by these words that you're about to hear from me, or you take these words that you're about to hear from me right now, and then you take them to someone. And you teach someone these words so that they'll do the word. So it was a challenge. So now, since you're hearing this hadith, maybe for the first time, as you sit there, you can't sit there and just these these words, rhetoric, goes in your ear out the other ear. And it doesn't make you feel, when the prophet said it, I wasn't there, but I'm hearing it now. So the challenge is still standing. You're not exempt from the challenge. And that's another thing, Ikhwania. This is the time that we're living. I'm not putting anybody down. We all suffer from this. We're living in a really rough time to be religious. It's a rough time. Even a religious person right now can be fooled into thinking he's really religious. But in reality, if he looked at himself or he looked at herself, yeah, you wear niqab. You get up for fajr. Mashallah, you wear his veil. Mashallah, you study. You do this, do that. You do this. But do you make the afkar of waking up every morning? Do you make the afkar before you go to sleep? When you came to the masjid, did you make the afkar? The afkar that's part of the Muslim. Prophet Muhammad says, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, man la Anyone who doesn't ask Allah, Allah becomes angry with him. Because it's a sign that you're arrogant. Mustakbir Mustakbir Because you're not making dua Or it's a sign You're not arrogant But you're ghafil You're not really paying attention But how can you not be paying attention When you're practicing you got to be him. You go to the masjid you will a student You're practicing More than your brother And your brother's wife That's what I'm trying to say Practicing right now Don't get fooled I'm not saying anybody is bad Allah knows. Allah knows who got taqwun. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying don't be fooled into ever thinking that you have arrived, especially during this time. Even the Nabi said that. He told his companion, sallallahu you live in a time, there are many ulama. Abu Bakr. With. Umar, Uthman, Ali, Abdullah bin Umar, Abdullah bin Abbas, Abdullah bin Amr bin Al-Aas, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Aisha, Anas, Jabir bin Abdullah, Abu Musa al ashari Melek. Scholars. You got an issue? Okay, go to his house. He's not there. You have eight, nine, ten, fifteen other companions to choose from. You're young, doing their time. You have an issue. With your dad, with your wife, with the job, with another Muslim, go to all of those companions. He said, but there's going to come a time. He said to his companions, "You living in a time many ulama, and only a few khutaba, only a few people giving khutbas and talks, only a few." He said, "There's going to come a time when there are going to be many khutbah, many imams for the khutbah, and only a few ulama." He said for his time, anyone who abandons a tenth, Usher, Abu Bakr, if they abandon a tenth of their deen, they'll be destroyed. Because the bar is higher. That's a delil of the virtues of the companions and why they are the blueprint and the template for success. And nobody else. Nobody. He said, the time that's going to come, many people giving the khutbah. He said, anybody doing this time, if he holds on to 10% he'll be successful over there if you leave 10% you're, you're done what's the 10% what does it, does it look like during their time the 10% during their time maybe is the one who doesn't get, for, get up for Qiyam al is that was standard with them maybe the 10% if they abandon 10% he doesn't pray the nawafil connected to the five prayer that's standard now standard When's the last time a person prayed one raqa, salatul witr? One rakat, salatul witr. So my point here, Hwani, this hadith today is one of those glaring hadith. So when you hear this hadith or any other hadith, don't just sit there and say this is a class. Prophet was talked to Abu Huraira. It really doesn't. It, it was an instant No, it's till to you talk. Who from amongst you will take these words from me and work by them? Or take these words and give them to someone, you teach them, and he'll work by them. Abu Hurairah was the first to say, I'll do it, Ya Rasulullah. I'll take that challenge, that responsibility. Abu Hurairah said that the Prophet took his hand, further illustrating the seriousness of it. Took his hand. And also shows a very important thing. Throughout the life of Rasulullah, he was a touchy person. Not overly touchy, touchy, but he was a person who hugged men, hugged children. He was a person who, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, took people's hands and gave the bayah. He used to shake people's hands. So, it's, it's, it's not against manliness. It's not against manliness. For a person to show those physical types of, you know, affection, especially to his sons. People are close. But you got to be careful with all this LBGT stuff going on. You do have to be careful, but nobody here should think that goes against being a man in Islam. Crying. When you hear the Quran, or you feel bad about something you saw or heard, or about your own self. So we walk around with the fake testosterone. And this, you know, macho man culture, like where I come from African Americans, it's not cool to cry. Who said that? Prophet Muhammad ﷺ was the strongest of Adam's children. And he used to cry. Umar, Umar used to cry. Abu Bakr used to cry. And no one here would doubt for one second that those people were men. Because Allah called them that in the Qur'an. <laughs> And يتطهروا, Allah said in that masjid are men who love to be purified They love to be purified And that's what I'm going to talk about today Inshawa, Purification So today's talk, Ikhwani, is about the issue of At-tasfiya wa-tarbiya At-tasfiya wa-tarbiya at and tarbiya is a concept that you guys should have It comes from our religion at means purification, cleaning up things cleaning up things that after 1,400 and something years, Islam has come to all of us, and has come to us, and some of it is strange, the way Islam came to us. Some of the stuff that people are telling us in my masjid, where I'm the Imam now. An Arab guy, you think he knows the language, you think he would know. Someone from the community, the Ajami, non-Arab, he was sincere, didn't know. Had a good opinion about the Arab. I'm not putting the Arab down. Sharing the point. He told him, hey, my auntie, my close auntie who raised me, her husband has died. Last week her husband has died. So what's the idda, the idda of the auntie? He said three months. So the brother, he said something, he came and asked me. I told him four months and ten days. And she doesn't have an Iddah, she has an Ihdad, she has a mourning period. The Iddah is the woman who her husband divorced her, or she got a Khula or something, he divorced her. So her Iddah waiting is three periods, menses, not three months, 60 days. So I gave a talk to our community and told the people, don't answer questions about the religion, especially when it comes to... The private parts, people's money, and people's blood. Don't don't give fuck to us about that. What are you doing? So that's Islam. Can you imagine? Someone asks you, Aki, the lady died. How long is her iddah? How? It, that you? The Muslim is going to say that's a big issue. My religion? I, I don't know. Ask someone else. But today, the person feels he must talk, even though he may not know, and he knows he doesn't know. But that's the culture. The culture of the millennials, you better hear me. You're going to hear me. You're going to hear my voice, and you're going to see me. No, we don't have to hear you. We don't have to see you. What are you talking about? Learn your religion. Grow. Develop. You have something. You have a point. You have a place and a position, but just know your lane. Stay in your position and play your position. Abu Huraira said, I'll, I'll do it. Prophet Muhammad took him by the hand, and he told him five things. You guys, got to remember these five things because it's connected to this aspect of a dawah wa والتربية He said number one sallallahu اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمِ اتَّقْن مَحَارَمْ a'bad عَبَد النَّاسِ Fear those things that are haram Abu Hurairah Avoid them And you will be the most righteous of the people With the most ibadah If you avoid all of the haram More than everybody else You'll be the most Abid the most abid is not the one who prays the most prayers, the fast the most, the did the most hajj and Umrah. That's part of it. He said, if you avoid what's haram, you'll be the most abid. The Imam Saab memorized the Quran. He's gonna read the Quran more than us. You could be more abid than him if you avoid the haram. That was the first thing. And then he told him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Warda, بِمَا قَسَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُ تَكُونَ أَغْنَى الْنَّاسِ This is tremendously important. He said, be happy, be pleased, be satisfied with what Allah has given you in the way of wealth. How much money you have right now. Be satisfied. Be satisfied that Allah didn't make you with Bill Gates' money. He didn't make you like that. Nor did he give you the money that this other brother has, four Teslas in his house, and he got dough. He didn't make you like that. He didn't make me like that. He gave some of us money, and then didn't give some of us money. Whatever he gave you, be happy, the Prophet said. Abu Hurairah was broke, radiyallahu anhu. He used to go in the masjid. He was from the people who, left, who slept in the masjid. He used to sleep in the masjid. And he said, my stomach used to be so much pain in me, I tie right back to my stomach. And I go look for the Prophet and say, teach me a hadith, just hoping someone invite us to eat. So we don't, we can't imagine that. Can't imagine that. So the Prophet told this poor man, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he tell someone rich, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, Abu Bakr, he said to Abu Hurairah, be a person who, whatever Allah is giving you, be satisfied. Now that doesn't mean for you young brothers that you should be a bum and not go to university or you're just so satisfied with mediocrity. You should want to blow up and make a lot of money and be self-sufficient. You should want to do that. The point here is, I have my job and I know how much I'm making and I know my level in life, but I'm mad at other people, jealous and envy of other people. And there's no end to that. And unfortunately, that's in the culture of a lot of people in this country. I never saw this in America until I came here and I started mixing with certain cultures here. Keeping up with the Joneses amongst the Muslims, there's something common. And we hate other families and people, and it could be family members. They got a new kitchen set, I got to get a new one. They got an extension, I got to get a new extension. They got a new car, I got to get... It's in the culture of the people they're racing, and they get mad at each other. Not everybody... Not everybody, was in the culture. So that was the second thing he told Abu Huraira, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him. The third thing he said to him, he said, وَأَحْسِنْ Abu Huraira, Sharif, Abdullah, Dutawwab, Ahmed, Bilal. He said, Sallallahu Wasallam, Be good to your neighbor, and you'll be a Believer. Abu Hurairah, you got neighbors. Be good to your neighbor. And it will constitute you being a believer. If you do that, it's a proof that you're a believer. Fourth thing he says, Love for the people what you love for yourself. You'll be a Muslim. Be good to your neighbor. You'll be a mu'min. And love for the people which you love for yourself. If you could do that, you'll be a real Muslim. And then finally he says, Sallallahu alayhi, alayhi wa ala tremendous. Wala tuqthir al Abu Hurairah. You're a scholar. You're serious. The Muslims today, when they think about you, they don't look at you and think of you like a joker there were some companions who used to play jokes with the prophet and I'm the prophet and the companion. Sallallahu Wasallam His name was Himar. He was, a, he was a jokester, prankster. But even his jokes didn't go overboard. Even his jokes wouldn't go overboard. So the prophet would show also his sense of humor with this man because he would do that. That man would do that. He will come behind the man, the man won't see him and he will hold him. And Rasulullah said, oh, I want to sell this slave. I want to sell this, this slave to someone, like a bondman, a slave. But the guy knew that the Prophet was just joking with him, sallallahu But he didn't do that with everybody, but that was his nature. So the Prophet allowed that, sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And they used to do that. But he told Abu Huraira, Abu Huraira. Beware of laughing too much, because laughing too much will kill your heart. So the heart, there are three types of hearts in Islam, and one of them is the heart that is ātā Allah Salim, the one who comes with a good heart. You're okay. and there's the heart that is sick, it has diseases in it, and the sickness could be doubts. The sicknesses can be anything. The sickness can be many sins. As a result of the sin, the heart gets black, 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 black. So the person don't know what he's doing. One of the things that kills the heart is laughing too much. Not laughing some. So we meet some brothers who read this hadith and he's walking around screw face all the time. Like he ate, you know, a lemon. Just always frowning. And then he say this. Yeah, Brother, that hadith is not saying you can't smile. Can't say you can't laugh even. Allah is the one who makes you laugh and the one who makes you cry. So if you're never laughing, something's wrong with you. If you're never crying, something's wrong with you. Two extremes. Two extremes. His mother dies, he won't cry. Something happened that is funny, and he won't laugh religiously, believing he can't laugh. Because of the hadith, if you know what I know, you will laugh less and cry more. So he understands from that he has to be on the minhaj of Dhu Khuwaysira. You guys do know Dhu Khuwaysira, right? You know Dhu Khuwaysira? Huh? Boko Khwaisirah is the father of ISIS, Boko Haram. You know ISIS, Boko Haram, al qaeda all of those people, extreme Muslims of a takfir and that khawarij mentality. He was the one who started that. He was the one who was the first one to go against the Prophet's rules, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Al He had a bald head. He had thick eyebrows and he used to always look mad at everybody. And it, he intentionally just looked mad. Whereas in our religion, the Prophet told Wasallam, when you see your brother and you give him a smile, that's sadaqah in our religion. And it's ibn and what we took, you remember in the book Shama'il, Shama'il al Muhammadiyya. When we talked about how the prophet was, there's a chapter, the chapter, sallallahu Alaihi was about laughing. And it said, I never came to him in his presence except that he was smiling. He's the same one who said this, don't laugh too much. He's the same one who said, if you know what I know, you laugh less, cry more. So there's a context, it's a context. So to go back inshallah, just to talk very quickly about these issues, As I mentioned, I want you to write this down in Arabic if you can, in English, a tasfiyah with tarbiyah, tasfiyah. A tasfiyah, like the name Sofia, safa, it means to be pure, pure. Islam came to give the people taskiyah to nafs, to clean us up, to clean us up. To constantly struggle struggle, everybody here to be better than you were yesterday. And again, I repeat this again. For myself, my family, I got power over you. I ain't got power over other people. Don't be of what, none of us can afford to be of those people who look at yourself and you impress impressed with yourself. Because you're talking? You, 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 you. You may know, really know, something about that person or that person, not you heard, you know something about that person or that person. So when you're in the presence so it, you look up you look down at it and say, "I'm, I'm not going do that. come on, are you serious? Show me somebody in this ministry right now who does not live in a glass house where you can throw rocks at everybody else. Nobody is like that. from the fuddle of Allah, That's from the fuddle of Allah. See because during the time of the companions people would get exposed for what they was doing. If a man was doing, for an example, something with his family that's haram, it's between him and his family, it's possible revelation is going to come down about that thing. So the companions behaved with a level of concern and fear. They were forced to be like even on a higher level, not forced in a negative way. Whereas right now, no. From the names of Allah, it's a satir, a satir. The one who covers. So Allah covers the force of the people. And He wants them to remain covered. Because all of my ummah, He said, will be forgiven. All of my ummah will be forgiven except those who broadcast. They said, Who are the ones who broadcast? He said, The ones who do mistakes at night. And Allah consulted. And then they come in the morning and they expose what they were doing. That's the time we're living in. When people's stuff is not exposed for the most part. But Allah knows, you know, the Malayika know. Don't look at other people and look at yourself. That's from a shaitan. So concerning the taskkiyah, everybody here, all of us, we have a religious responsibility to clean ourselves up. And we clean ourselves up with many ways. One of them by just practicing the five pillars and the dues of El for an example. Their way of giving Tazkiya. If you pray, that'll stop you and give you tazkiyah of what happened before. If you make wudu, Prophet Muhammad said, if one of you had a river flowing in front of your house, and you got in that river five times every day, would you have any dirt on you? They said, no. He said, salat. salat is the same way. When you make wudu, your sins fall off. Then when you pray, more sins fall off. So it's a tazkiyah. When you give sadaqah from your money, you worked and it's a fitna. You're working with your kuffar people. Sometimes you say, Jesus Christ, you're using a language that they're using, you're cursing, this, that. It's a fitna. The money is mixed up with riba, this, that, you know, the company. But you give zakat, you give sadaqah. Allah told the Prophet in the Quran, Sallallahu wasallam, wa sallam, وَخُذْ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ wa تُطَحِّرَهُمْ وَتُزَكِّيهِمْ بِهَا وَصَلِّيْ عَلَيْهِمْ Ya Muhammad Take from their money The sadaqah, The zakat Take zakat from them Because when you do that That zakat will clean them up And give them tazkiyah And make dua for them Because your dua Is second for them So dua Asking Allah to forgive you And other people Is a form of tazkiyah Practice of religion Allah saying in the Quran a number of ayat ikhwani, About Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allah is the one who sent the Nabi ﷺ to the unleaded Arabs so that he can teach them the book, the Quran, and he can teach them the Sunnah, what has passed. Now we have a new issue, Tazkiyah. He already gave the Dalil for the Quran and the Sunnah. Then Nabi came as a mu'allam, a mubashir. He became a became, person. He's calling, teaching people khayr. teaching people who are ignorant, teaching people who are stray. And then the ayat said, and so you can purify them as well. So one of his jobs is to purify people. And that's not just one ayat like that. Like I told you, the ayat of sadaqah. Allah Ta'ala mentions Surah al Imran, لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعْثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنَ أَنْفُسِهِمْ يَطْرُ عَلَيْهِمْ Same thing, Allah has blessed all of the believers. The first ayah said, He sent a nabi to the unlettered, giving them tazkiyah. Tazkiyah how? They used to have najas in their clothes. They didn't clean themselves. Until Prophet Muhammad came and started telling them, do this, do that, don't do this in the religion. Don't do this, don't, in terms of cleanliness. He said, "Al-tahoor is, Islam is purity is half a faith. Prophet Muhammad started teaching people that. Even some of us, 2021, Europe, America, some people don't know and appreciate the importance of hygiene. Not in Islam, not in themselves, and not in life. Not civilized. They don't know the importance of hygiene. But when the religion comes and a person comes into the religion, he was a person who barely ever bathed. Sallallahu alaihi He barely bathed. He ain't know. He don't wash. But when he comes into Islam, he's gonna find a hadith that says, "Haknara kulli Muslim." It is the obligation on every Muslim that he has to wash his hair and his whole body every seven days. That's going to come to him. So let's just say he's negligent. He just ain't no bather. But when he comes a Muslim, he's in Muslim, he's the Muslims learning lessons, learning this book, that book, fifth, your students. This thing comes to him. He never heard this before. You have to bathe every seven days when you take a ghusl in Islam Rasulullah sallallahu said there's rewards for the man that has relationships with his wife Friday before Jummah he causes her to take a ghusl and he has to take a ghusl from his shahwa his desires making it mustahab making it zina for him Take a shower, man, and wash yourself. And watch that lady talk. Because some people don't know. So my point here is, Islam came to purify the insides of people, the heart, the mind, your body, and your environment. If your environment is dirty, there's something wrong about your understanding and application of Islam. Your house is dirty, unkept, there's something wrong. Something ain't right. Maybe you work all the time, your wife work all the time, but something is wrong. Because purification and cleanliness is half of the faith. And it's something that we all have to be upon, but especially the Muslim woman, Especially, especially, because women are on a higher level of things like that. So, as it relates to the Tazkiah, the Prophet came, sallallahu alayhi wa and he purified the people with his religion. So, Sheikh al-Albani used to say this all the time. The ummah has to get tazkiyah A tazfiyah Clean up what we are doing and believing Rasulullah is everywhere Omnipresent It's not true Most of the people in Birmingham believe that But all the Muslims count all of them The majority of the Muslims of this ummah Believe Rasulullah is everywhere Believe he didn't die Believe he knows the unseen You can make dua to him The majority of the Muslims in Birmingham believe that. Now, I'm going to come as the Imam, and I'm going to talk about the Palestinian issue, and there's a disjoint from the knowledge of that reality in Palestine? No, Palestine is important. I'm not saying it's not important. I mean, even making this point that I'm trying to make, some people will listen to me and think I'm saying Palestine is not important. No, Palestine is important. But is a reflection of the reality of our ummah That's what I'm saying So now Al-Albani came and said Before our ummah will ever get help Based upon the Quran and the Sunnah We have to do this tazkir. We have to clean up ourselves We have to Stop watching porn, we have to stop making zina, we have to stop drinking khamar, we gotta stop smoking weed, we gotta stop smoking cigarettes, we have to all of these things that people do, it's just normal. We gotta stop. Based upon Quran, that's tazkiyah. And a tasfiyah, a tarbiyyah is learn the religion. And that goes in with many ayat. Allah has promised those from amongst you, those who believe correctly with Tawheed, not this Hazem, Nazar Molid, Hocus Pocus, Dua to dead people and all, Adi Adi, Medit, Medit, not that stuff. Those people who believe correctly and they do righteous deeds, Allah promised them He's going to establish them in the earth and give them dominance and the Khilaf in the earth. But they got to do those other things. But before I move on with the explanation, very quickly, a few weeks ago, a month or two ago, one of the famous dais, younger brother, goes to Speaker's Corner, very prolific. I really am impressed with him when he gives dawah to the people who don't believe in Islam. What do you call them again? People that don't believe. Atheists, you know, progressives, people like that. If he gave dower to that and stayed there, be okay. But he stretches out. This is the problem. He was talking about Al Albani. I don't know why he felt to try to address the issue in that way, but really it all came out him disrespecting Al Albani at a time where we shouldn't be disrespecting any scholar, not to mention one of El Albani's weak. We don't go overboard in El Albani, but during our time in our era, Whether you know it, you don't know it You accept it, you don't accept it He's one of those scholars that do in our time Knowledge is defined partly by him 100, 200, 300 years ago From now when people mention our time His name, inshallah, is going to be prominent Like the other scholars Is he like Bukhari, Muslim, al Medini, Yahya bin Ma'in? No! Nowhere near any of them Nowhere near Imam Abu Hanif and them Nowhere near them But Relatively speaking during our time If any of you were reading Arabic And you were a student You're going to be looking at Al-Albani's work Whether he's your enemy or your friend And everybody says So now to talk about people like that now It's a problem Especially with what the enemies of Islam From within and out are trying to do So that happened before let me talk to that brother. What you're doing is not right, man. Did you lose your mind? Did you get dropped on your head? Go look for your mind somewhere. Don't talk about the scholars, but especially that one. Scholar of the Sunnah. Single. The one person who gets kidnapped to the Sunnah. Is he infallible? He never made mistakes? Every Hadith. It? No, I'm not saying that. You'll be hard-pressed to find another human being doing our time. Who service the Sunnah like Al Albani? Was he all right? No. But for you to come and talk, look, one of you, I'm gonna ask you. Between you and me, I ain't gonna tell nobody else. Would any of you allow yourself to talk down bad to your mother and call her all kind of curse words and stuff like that and diss her? because she made you mad about something. She really made you mad. Is it okay for you to really talk condescendingly and and curse your mother out? Would anybody see that that's okay? No one in his right mind is going, and if someone did that, he's gonna know he's wrong. The situation with al -Al Albani is more severe than that. My mother's a non-Muslim. If one of my children sucked their teeth or did something like that to my mother, who's a non-Muslim and grandmother, they're going to have a problem. They're going to have a problem. And with that, it's more severe. Why? Because, as the Hadith said, Al-Ulamah Those scholars are the inheritors of the prophets. Your mother, your father, not the inheritors. Unless they're students of knowledge, so they're working in that way. But the prophets and the messengers are the inheritors. So you can't talk about them in any way. You can't make gib about them. You can't make namim about them. Their blood is poison. Anyway, what I was trying to get to, two, three, four days ago in Saudi Arabia, a criminal came on TV. One of these um, reporters. Criminals. You know, in our religion, we have a minhaj and everything. You got a minhaj and a shiria. You have to have a minhaj when you hear news, especially the news, news, read news. And you see, brother, with this COVID thing, it goes to show again the confusion of our community. Confusion. A person comes, I think you call it in this country, DCSCs. when you study. What do you call that? When you're going to go to university, you've got to take an exam. What is it called? Huh? A-levels. A-levels. Once you take the A-levels, you can go to university, right? In America, we have this thing called your high school diploma. You get your high school diploma, you go to university, go to college. But some people don't go to, go to high school, so they have to get a GED. doesn't mean you're dumb. You just missed the boat. You got to do it a longer way. You got to go the long way. I'm in my new community the other day, and I'm getting to know some of the brothers. And one of the brothers came and started talking about the COVID vaccine, whether I got the vaccine. And he started talking about, you know, well, if you got the, if you got the vaccine, chef, they got a pen in you. They know everywhere you're going. I said, I mean, you, they got a pen? They put a pen in me? Now he's laughing. He was saying, well, Lord, he. they put a pen in me. And I got mercury in me. And now, the thing is, brother, I have a minhaj. I have a minhaj, And that minhaj is, in the capacity of what I do, I go to hajj. And I know more doctors, brothers and sisters, men and women, older than me, younger than me, and they're my brothers. We just don't have a regular relationship. If I need a problem, one time my little boy bit a liquid thing that you watch, he bit and Some of it went in his mouth. I I called the doctor. And I was tripping out. Hey, my little man. He said, calm down. He's going to vomit. It's poison. It's okay. Keep it out of his eye. I'm going to call one of those brothers and sisters because... There's mutual love and respect. They're going to talk to my intellect, and they're going to be honest. They know that the thing got mercury in it. They're going to tell me something else. Come on. So I told the brother, I have a minhaj, And my minhaj is, there's no way in the world I'm going to listen to someone who hasn't taken A-levels about something so complicated. And when I ask him, give me the proof, he's just talking nonsense. So similar to that, the newspaper, the TV, social media, you have to have a minhaj. We're living in the time of lying. People be lying, lying. So now, as it relates to al-Albani, in Saudi Arabia this guy came on and started saying, al-Albani was with Juhayman. That was the criminal who in 1975 with some young students who were in Medina. They were extreme, like the Ghulat now. So just because you're on the Sunnah doesn't mean you're protected. You could be on the Sunnah. You want to be on the Sunnah, but you go extreme. That's what happened with Wooding Those people were students from Medina and Mecca. They wore short clothes, big beards. They were praying the way we pray. That energy was there. Back then in the 70s, all of the Muslim youth, there was a renaissance. The Sunnah was spreading. And al-Bani had a lot to do with it. The people from these students went to the Kaaba and they took over the Kaaba. Muslims got killed making tawaf around the Kaaba. They shot people in the Kaaba. Bulu. Bulu. Now al-Bani was advising the students, don't be with this, this is evil. And ever since that time he wrote about these things that... This criminal in Saudi Arabia the other day, three, four days ago, he said al-Albani was with that, supported that, supported ISIS, supported Osama bin Laden, supported... And any and everybody knows al-Albani's dow is not on that stuff. But that's the 2030 vision, that some of our brothers want us to just agree with everything. No, we don't understand that to be Salafia. And I'm just making a point here. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not the religion. Al-Albani wasn't on that stuff. Al-Albani was on the opposite of that. He was writing the book, The need that this ummah has not to do stuff like that. Now we go to the second one, Nihwani. We have to speed it up because it's not really a lot of time. He said, fear those things that are haram. So listen. A taqwa has many, many meanings that the salaf gave from the tabi'in other than that, but one of the best meanings is a taqwa is like the wiqaya to put between yourself and something else, a barrier. al wiqaya you know, a barrier between you and COVID, social distancing, inshallah. A barrier between you and COVID is getting a vaccine for an example. So you gotta put something between you and that thing that is harmful. That's taqwa. The companion said, Kunna men nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, If the war became real when they was fighting, and the sparks were going, they said it was always hot where the Prophet was. He was the middle of the heat, and we would get behind him. So that's, so they would get behind him. Put him between them As the leader So that's the mean The taqwa So listen The hadith is saying Ya Aba Huraira Ya Abdullah, Ya Abu Usama Put between yourself And what's haram The taqwa of Allah And you'll be the most worshipped person A'bad al So what's haram Shirk Kufr Ghiba Namima Breaking your promise Breaking your contract being lazy Not making fajr Being a liar All of those haram That's the maharam That's what this hadith said Another thing for your information In 40 hadith of Imam an You know that hadith <laughs> Halal is clear Haram is clear Between them is the grey area Not many people know about Whoever avoids Whoever puts the taqwa Whoever puts between himself and the doubtful matters a space, a shield, then he will save his deen and his honor. That's what it means. And then for the hadith as well, there's a the hadith where the Prophet says, Inna li kulli malik hima, wa hima Allah, maharimuhu. Every king has a sacred area, a sanctuary. Nobody can go there. And Allah's sacred area is what's haram. So the things that are haram, that Allah may haram the religion, they're his sanctuary. The king, the king, the king, and the dunya. He takes his wife and his kids over there, they have a picnic. He rides his horse over there in his sanctuary. He uh, goes fishing over there, and if he catches you on his property, you're going to be in trouble. Because he's the king of the dunya. The haram is like that. The haram is Allah's exclusive area. No go zone. Anybody who goes there, he making trouble for himself. He has to make tobin and all that kind of stuff. So the prophet Abu Hurairah told you, told me, You stay away from this. If you can do that, you'll be the i He Look, he didn't say, do the good things, pray. He didn't say that. He said, stay away from the haram. And that's because they're the haram things zina. They've been beautified. They call you to it. People are not pumped up and encouraged to go and pray. It doesn't, there's no zina for that. Praying, and fasting, and hajj. There's no zina. And that's why we talked before about the maharam, the jannah, huffat with the makari. And the nar is surrounded by the things that people like. So we're gonna stop there so we can keep going, inshallah The next one he told them in this talk about this talk about a wa tarbiya, talked about the dawah, the da'i What's what's the dawa? How's the da'i? What are you calling to? And now the Shaykh is talking about the importance of Taskit and Nufus. Qad Aflaha and Zakaha wa from those many ayat. From those many ayah. All those ayah. The one who gives tazkiyah to himself will be successful. The one who doesn't give tazkiyah to his nafs, you're going to be destroyed. So you got to keep doing it. Second thing he told him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, be content with what Allah gave you. And you'll be the agna naz Al-ghina, ya is you not asking anybody like, Someone comes in and you look at everybody and you're not worried. I don't owe anybody money. I don't owe anyone here a single penny. So if I get invited to a dinner, you get invited to a dinner, Walima, I see you on Friday. I'm not shy. I don't have to run away from you. Prophet Muhammad used to tell the people, don't take debts. Because when you take a debt, it causes you to lie and break your promise. You pray Friday every week at Green Lane. But when you give the man money, you say you're going to pay him money next Friday, and then next Friday. He doesn't come here anymore. He's just lying. So when you don't owe people money, you don't take things from people, people can come in. You're not worried about that. You're not looking at him crazy. He ain't looking at you crazy. Because Allah gave you enough for your situation. You know, concerning this prophet talk, talked a lot about being um. Being as satisfied, he told the people because men misunderstand this. He says of Allah, Al-Ghina, Having money is not you having a lot of property. That's not a sign you are rich. He said, being rich is being content. Whatever you do have. So Aisha said, three months were passed by in the homes of a Nabua. And all they ate was dates and water For three months Wallahi, they were the richest of the people They were the richest And they didn't have money They didn't have a lot of clothes But they were connected to Allah With their Tawheed, with the sunnah, With their understanding and all of that stuff So the Nabi of Islam Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has informed us And taught us We shouldn't be of those people who are like that Man Anyone who doesn't ask people You don't beg You want to get married You want to start a business But you don't go around begging Anybody who's like that Allah, Allah will open it up for you Three people Allah is responsible for And one of them He's responsible for the Mujahid who goes He's responsible for the one who took a debt And he really wants to pay it back He's responsible for the young man Who wants to get married But he doesn't have the means But that young man has to make Salah that young man has to make jihad. He has to make some efforts. Can't just do anything. You have to So if you were like that, Allah bless you. So he told the companions, La Tasulun Nas Don't ask people for anything. So the man would be on his horse, his whip will fall. He would say, Can you pick that up? He's a young man. Hey, hey, can you pick that up? he get off that horse himself and pick it up so that nobody can ever come with a mannu and say, "You Remember I did this? Remember I did it? No. Don't ask for anything. There's a hadith, ikhwani, tremendous hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala wa sallam. He said, A person is successful. The one who Allah has given him risk and what Allah gave him is enough for him. And the one who, whatever Allah has given him, he feels he feels satisfied, content. Meaning he's not going to look at him and like him. Why, I don't have this and then get mad and jealous at people. I'm telling you it's a disease and some people have it. Some people don't have this disease, they have other issues and challenges. What time is the Adan? Eleven. So the adhan is now. Okay, we're gonna stop right here just on the shuruf part. He told us, sallallahu wa wasallam, Muslim wa A Muslim's nobility is when he doesn't need other people. He's independent. So this is the third thing he told Abu Huraira. And they're all talking about ateskiya. Do these things to purify yourself. Purify yourself. Don't be envious. Don't be jealous about what other people have. Don't be jealous. If you got jealous, is a problem. We'll continue, inshallah, with the same hadith next week. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.